How many of you took Spanish? Or maybe you're still taking Spanish. There we go. Yeah, okay, good, good, good. Yeah, I, I took two years of Spanish when I was in high school. If I had known now what I knew then, I would have taken much more. Uh, one thing you may not know about me and my family yet is really for the past almost 20 years now, uh, I've been involved with working uh, in Mexico at a place that's near and dear to my heart. It's called the City of Children. It's in Ensenada, Mexico. And this morning, it's something you, else you may not know, I didn't plan this, but it just worked out. One of my friends, Mario, is here from, uh, from uh, the City of Children. So he's actually from Atlanta, but he grew up there, and, and he's, a, he's a great friend. And so uh, if I would have known then what I, knew, what I know now, I would have taken, taken more Spanish and uh, would have loved to have been able to, to speak it better. Um, and if you've ever had Spanish, then you know, uh, you know there, there are some, some really essential things you learn to say on the front end. And one of those things you learn to say is, um, is you know, how do you say your name, right? And, and if you know any Spanish, if you're going to say your name, how do you say that? Como te llamas is how you ask someone's name. And then you would respond with... Yeah, me llamo Corey or Frank or Fred or whoever you are, right? And that, that's how you say your name. Well, uh, back in January, I was really blessed uh, to go uh, to the Sea of Children just for a, a long weekend. I took my daughter, Emma. At the time, she was three years old. And you may be thinking, you took your daughter who's three years old to a foreign country? Yes. Uh, it's a very safe place, and we love going there. We have lots of friends there. We went for the weekend, and, and if you ask her even today, she'll tell you about her Mexican sisters. They would braid her hair, and they played together. They had a great time together, and uh, we had a really great time together. So you'll, you'll know why just a week or so ago I was so excited when Emma comes home from her day at Butterfly School where she had learned Spanish, and she learned to say her name in Spanish. Um, and I was so impressed, so excited. And just to, to prove to you, just to share with you video evidence of how uh, intellectually advanced my child is, how far superior she is to maybe all other children on the planet, I, ha- I have this video prepared for you of my bilingual child uh, saying her name. I don't know why you're laughing. In Spanish. So if you would, this is like a 10-second video. Uh, watch this. Here we go. I can say my name in Spanish. May Samo Emma. There you go. Yeah, at a girl. May Jamo Emma. She, I don't know where she got the J from. Sorry, Mario. We'll teach her better. All right? May Jamo Emma. Uh, you know, in, in Spanish, and this is true in other languages, some questions and some things translate pretty easily, like pretty quickly. Uh, there's, there's ways to say the same things in one language that you might say in the next. But there's also some things that it's really hard to say it exactly the same way. For instance, again, if you took Spanish, and that's my one wheelhouse, I, I know like these two phrases. Uh, if, if I was going to ask you, how old are you? What would you say? Wow, Katie just like belted it out there. Yeah. If I was going to ask you how old you are, you would say, cuantos uh, años tienes tú, right? Something like that. And literally what you're saying there is how many years have you? So in English, it doesn't quite work. You know, it's, it's getting the, the, the meaning across. But it's not the same words. You know, you're asking, how many years have you? How, have you accumulated to this point in your life? You know, it's a different way of saying it, and it doesn't translate exactly. And that's important because the first time that we learn or we come across God's name, the first time the question is asked, God, what is your name? It doesn't quite translate the same way. And the question doesn't come across quite the way that maybe we wish it would. But this is supremely important Because God has a name. And I wonder this morning if I asked you what God's name was, how many of you would even know it or even know how to spell it? Did you know that God has a name? God in and of itself is not a name, right? God is is a noun. It's not a name. God is a title. 
Even in your Bible, the word for God is, is Elohim, and that's, that's the name for any God. In the ancient world, that could have been uh, the name for, for whatever your God was, well, whoever you worshiped. It was your Elohim, your, your God, little g, God. God is not a name. God is a noun. It's a title. Yet that's probably how most of us refer to him most of the time. That's, that's what we say in worship. That's what we, we talk about when we're in, in class. That's, that's how we refer to him out in the world or when we're with friends or at a small group. We talk about God and what has God done for you. And God is the name that we use most of the time. But God isn't a name. God, God is a noun. God is a title. And the reason I think this is so, so important is because, well, what if, what if I were to go around and all the time I was going to refer to my wife, Alicia, as wife? Right? How, how, how far would that get me? Hey, wife, when is supper going to be ready? <laughs> hey, wife, go get the kids. Hey, wife, I need this. Hey, wife, where's the remote? You know, I mean, both cheeks would be red from being slapped, right? It's like, why are you? And if you spend any time with me, you would think something's wrong. There's distance in that relationship because he always referred to his, his wife as wife, you know? And that's a title. That's not a name, you know? And God has a name. And it's important that we know his name because the fact that he, ha- he has a name means that, that he can be known, that, that there's a relationship. When you call someone by name, it kind of implies, doesn't it, that there's a relationship, that there's, there's an intimacy between two people. And yeah, that can happen on a lot of levels. Some of those levels are very surface, but some of those are very deep. And those relationships that go the deepest are relationships where you know that person's name. And when you hear them say your name, your ears perk up. You turn your head and you listen. Because when you know someone's name, it speaks to the fact that there is a relationship. The first time we come across the name of God, some of you know this, it's in one of the most famous stories in our Bible. In fact, if, if you walked in this morning and you don't normally go to church, you probably know this story. It's the story of Moses and the burning bush, right? This is the story, well, it's the greatest story of the Old Testament. It sets the stage for the greatest story ever told. It's the story of when God was going to, to deliver his people, Israel, the, the, the Hebrews, out of Egyptian slavery, out from under Pharaoh, into the promised land. Now, to set up the story, you gotta, you gotta remember that, that Moses at this point in his life well, it was, it was a pretty low moment, okay? He had been born in Egypt at a time when Pharaoh said, I want every Hebrew child to be murdered. The population is out of control, so we're going to control it. Moses' mom had other ideas, and she put him in a basket, snuck him into the river, right at the place and time where the princess of Egypt would see him, and she did. And he was spared, and he was raised as royalty, but then he killed a man, and out of his fear, he fled, and he ran out to the wilderness where at this point in his life, he's been tending sheep as a pauper for decades. And it's at this moment that we come across this story, which sets up the greatest story ever told in the Bible, the story of the Exodus, the story of God delivering his people from Egypt out of captivity into freedom, the story that sets up the story of Jesus, who would deliver us from captivity and the darkness of sin into marvelous light. This is the story of all stories. And it happens in the life of this once prince turned pauper, this royalty now becomes shepherd, this guy named Moses. And I want to read the story again this morning because I want you to hear it unfold. And I want you to hear the question that Moses has the nerve and the audacity 
to ask God. Exodus 3, it's in, starts in chapter, in verse 1. If you want to follow along, the words are on the screen. And it goes like this. One day, one day Moses was tending the flock. This is like every other day for Moses. It's pretty routine. Tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses, I think this is what you and I would have done. Moses stared in amazement. He's like the, you know, like how long was this moment? You know, he's just staring. He's like, what is going on? Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself, because he's all alone like every other day. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. And then hear these next words. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, as soon as God saw that, that's when God called to him from the middle of the bush. Moses, Moses. I wonder how many moments in our life God is waiting for us to take notice. It's another day. We're doing what we've always done. And it may not be a burning bush, but there's something that God's trying to get our attention. And maybe there's something he wants to say to you and say to me. But it's not until, like Moses, we come and take a closer look that God is going to call out. It's not until we take that first step or that initiative or we follow that prompting that we feel the Holy Spirit in our heart give that God speaks up. Thank the Lord Moses decided to come closer and take another look, right? Like if he had decided to walk on that day and think, that's weird, I'm going that way, what, what would have happened? <laughs> you know, we may not be here right now. Thank God Moses came and took a closer look. God calls out to him, Moses, Moses. And any time a name is repeated in the ancient language, it's a sign of endearment. He's basically saying, Moses, my dear friend, Moses, do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And when Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I've heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out to Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. And it is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and all those other guys live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me. And I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh, and you must lead my people out of Egypt. Now you may hear this story, you may hear these words, and you may think, wow. That's what I think at least. Have you ever been in the middle of a situation where you're wondering, does God see what's going on? Does he hear my prayers? Is he aware of my circumstance? in my situation. And if you've ever felt that way, or maybe if you're feeling that way this morning, man, would you hear the word of the Lord? God saw then and he sees now. God heard then and God hears now. God was aware then and he's the same yesterday and today and forever. And he is aware right now. God is intimately aware of the details of your life. And he is actively involved. 
God sees, God hears, and God cares. God knew exactly what was going on with his people. But Moses protested to God. Pretty bold move in my opinion. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Moses knew exactly who he was. He knew exactly who he was. He was someone who had escaped the Pharaoh's edict to murder every other Jewish boy his age. And when he went back there, he would look around and there would not be another single man his age because he was the only one spared. He knew exactly who he was because he was raised as a prince in Egypt. Not only did he escape his own murder as an infant, he got to be raised as royalty. And going back to those people who knew who he was, why would they even listen to him? And he knew exactly who he was because not only that, but the reason he fled was because he murdered somebody. He was a killer. Who am I to go back? You ever felt like you're not enough? But God answered. Essentially, he says, it doesn't matter who you are. God answered, I will be with you. And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this very mountain. But Moses protested again. This is the second time if you're keeping notes. If I go to the people of Israel to tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they're going to ask me, what is your name? What is his name? Then what should I tell them? And God replied to Moses, and hear this. He said, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Now, I love this conversation between Moses and God. I love that, that Moses has the awareness, has the courage, whatever it took in this moment, to ask God, what is your name? But you notice even in that, in the original language, that's not exactly the question. In fact, in the original language, to be honest, there's no way to really ask someone, what is your name? Like that's not the way the question would be framed or worded. The, the closest way to say that would be to use the Hebrews words, me uh, shimka. And essentially that means, who is your name? Like who should you be called? Who is your name? But that's not even what Moses says here. Those aren't the words that Moses has used in this conversation. He says, ma shimka. He says, basically, what is the meaning of your name? What is the significance of your name? What can you do? What, not just, he, in this moment, Moses isn't asking for a label like Jason or Matt or John or Steve. He's asking for more. What is the weight? What is the meaning? What is the significance of your name? And into that, God answers with these words. In fact, if God is saying it in the first person, he says, eh, hey. In the third person, if you were to say God's name, it's Yahweh. He says, this is my name. And that word comes from the root word, and I don't mean to get all technical. There's not going to be a quiz later, I promise. But it comes from the verb, the Hebrew verb, hayah, like in karate, right? Hayah. And it's the verb to be in the present tense. That is his name, to be. But here it's not in that tense, it's in the imperfect tense. And again, there's no quiz later. But it essentially it is, I am who I am. Or you could say it this way, I will be who I will be, or I will become who I will become. Or I like this one, I am who I will be. And what God is saying, he says, this is my name. My name is marked by consistency. I am the same. 
I am unchanging. This is who I am. And you say to them, I am has sent me to you. And I think this is really interesting because I, I think I know why Moses asked the question. I, I was thinking this morning, why would Moses ask, even ask that question? Just tell him God sent you. But again, there's lots of gods at this time. So who, sent, who, who should I say sent me to you? Why would he ask that question? Well, you think about it. These people, the, the people of God, have been in slavery by the Egyptians, by Pharaoh, for hundreds of years. And you know if you've gone through any sort of long period of suffering in your life, you ask the same question that I ask. What is it? Where are you, God? And maybe your season of suffering lasted for six months or six years, or maybe it's 60 years, I don't know. But these people have been living in this suffering for hundreds of years. And if a guy like Moses showed up on the scene and said, I'm here to deliver you, God sent me. You better believe the question burning in their mind is, oh yeah, who? You and who else? Who's gonna deliver us? It's been hundreds of years we've cried out to God and you're saying now he's here? And Moses is going to get to respond, yeah. And he has a name, Yahweh. I am has sent me to you. And this is huge. This is huge for you and I because you know that in their eyes and maybe in your eyes, God had lost credibility with his people to some degree. It had been a long time. And they needed to know, they needed to know They wanted to know that they know that they know that God, the eternal God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of all the stories that they had heard in growing up all their days, that those stories weren't myth, that they weren't legend, that they were true. And that that was the God who was coming to deliver them. And Moses says, God is back and he's on the scene and he's ready to deliver you. I am has sent me to you. I am has sent me to you. But here's the thing that I hate about the name of God. That sounds weird to say it that way. But whenever you read your scripture, you probably very seldom ever even see the name Yahweh written in your Bible, right? This is the name of God. It's a name that we don't even ever hardly speak or read or write. And yet is the name of God. It's a name. He has a name. It marks that he can be known, that he can be in a relationship with him. But it's not a name that we even normally even used to speak of him. And why is that, right? Why is that? Well, a few hundred years before Jesus, uh, the rabbis thought, we don't want to break the ten, one of the Ten Commandments that says, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And right there in that commandment, it's literally the name Yahweh. You shall not, thou shalt not take the name Yahweh in vain. So they decided that to avoid even the possibility of doing that, that they would no longer write or speak the name of God. And so what they would do whenever they came up to the name Yahweh and when they were reading their scriptures, they would substitute in the name Adonai, the name that means Lord. That's the name that they would use instead of Yahweh to prevent them from even, uh, you know, accidentally taking the name of God in vain. And then when your Bible was translated into English like mine is, uh, the, translators, the, the, the translators followed the same tradition. 
And so every time they would come up upon the name Yahweh in, in scriptures, they would put the name Lord all in capital letters. If you've ever wondered why it's that way, that's why it's that way. Every time you read the name Lord all in caps, it's the name Yahweh, it's the name Lord. And I think that that is a shame. Man, what a tragedy. Because God has a name. And God wants to desperately be known. And if we're going to carry his name, we have to know his name. And if we're going to exalt his name, we have to say his name. And I just wonder how many of hundreds of years has God been waiting to hear the sound of his sons and daughters say his name. Our God has a name, and it matters. Man, it matters because because the fact that he has a name means that we can know his name, and that we can go into a relationship with him, and that he can know us, and we can know him. He can be known as we can be known. And when you speak his name, it speaks to the fact that you can have a relationship with a great I am. And that's literally what his name means, I am. I am who I will be. And so this morning, I really want to just kind of ask you the question, you know, who is God to you? Uh, In in ancient times and in your scriptures, you'll see lots of names for God, right? There's lots of things God's referred to in, 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 in our scriptures. Names like Adonai, which means Lord. Names like Elohim, which mean God. I love the name El Shaddai, which means the all sufficient one. I love the name Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord, Yahweh, will bless or heal. I love Jehovah Rophi, which means the Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness. El Elyon, the most high God. El Olam, the everlasting God. Elohim Ezraeli, God, my helper. Elohim Kadosh, the holy God. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. And there are literally hundreds more. Different names that God has been called throughout the course of ancient times and all of history. And if you're like me, you know this is true because there are times in your life, there are seasons in your life when you do the same thing. Because there are sometimes you call on God and there you're calling on his healer. And there are times when you're calling on God and the God you're calling on is the God of strength. And there are times when you're calling on God and you need God and you're calling on God to be your helper. And there are times when you're calling on God, in that moment you need God to be your father. And just like the ancients, we too call on God. And I wonder this morning, I wonder this morning if you were to call out the name of God. Who is God to you? Who do you need him to be today? And are you wondering, like so many people in our world are wondering today, God Are you listening? He says, I am. God, are you you caring about my situation? He says, I am. God, are you working on the things in my life that aren't working out real well? He says, I am. God, are you even aware of the situation right now? He says, I am. This is God's name. And whatever you're going through, whatever momentary trouble you're facing, I want you to know that God's name is there for you to carry. And his name is the I am. He is the great I am. And this is the name above every name. This is the name Yahweh. 
And this is the name that you and I get to call out. And if I could give you like one homework assignment this week, you know what it would be? Don't call God, God. (laughs) Call God by his name. May he hear the sound of your voice calling out his name, Yahweh. And I get it. Like I know why the rabbis wanted to, to pull that name off the shelf and out of circulation. They had such reverence and awe for the name of God. And I get that and I respect that. And I want to have that same awe and reverence for the name of God. But God didn't give us his name to hide it. God didn't give us his name so we would never speak it. God gave us his name because he wanted us to be in relationship with him. And if you can call his name in that same spirit of reverence and gratitude and awe and wonder, then please call his name. Call on his name and speak his name. Yahweh, Yahweh. Yahweh. Can we say his name together? Let's say it. Yahweh. Whose name do we exalt above every other name? Yahweh. Whose name do we carry? Yahweh. Who is the great I am? Yahweh. This is the name of God. Church, would you stand with me? It may be one of the most powerful moments of the life of Jesus. He's having this dialogue, a little confrontation, this conflict with these religious leaders. And he's trying to make the point that he is who he says he is. And they can get their minds around that he's the Messiah. And in their defense, he's not the kind of Messiah they expected. He's not at all what they expected. And, and they keep saying, but we, we are the children of Abraham. And in John eight fifty eight, Jesus says these words. Before Abraham was, I am. Yeshua declares he is Yahweh. Jesus declares he is the great I am. And today and every day, we carry that name above every other name. And we exalt that name high above every other name. And today, if, if, if you feel like you've stumbled in that and you want us to pray with you, I want you to know we will. In fact, I love our shepherds and their wives. They're going to be around the room, kind of gathered and scattered in different places. And if you want to, man, you can make your way to them. You don't have to speak a word. They'll just lay a hand on you and pray for you. If that name is a name that you want to carry, we would love nothing more than to help you in that decision, in that journey, to become a follower of Jesus of Nazareth and to carry that name above every other name. But this morning, let us exalt the name Yahweh. Let's exalt it.